Hey everyone, we're back for another week of Find Your Film. This is for the week covering Friday, February 11th, 2022, the week of that, February 11th. I'm so excited because this week we have some really great, great films, three movies that I'm so excited to talk about. Cosmic Dawn, Here Before, Catch the Fair One, Eric Holmes, a.k.a. Cosmeric Dawn, Eric Holmes, Are you excited about this week? Is this week different from previous weeks, meaning we have some strong ones to talk about it, or am I just talking out of my A? I I think we got some pretty strong ones, Um, certainly with our features. The the recommendations later on, maybe not so much, but you should still listen anyway. Wait, these are these are not recommendations. These are recommendations for for it to not watch them, right? So these are public service announcements announcements that we're uh, talking about. Yeah, the, not not with the features. The the features we got today, I think, are anywhere from really solid to fantastic. So uh, we we got some we got some bangers for sure. Some bangers, okay. Some bangers from Eric Holmes. I like to copy people. I've I've actually adopted the name bangers as well into my own lexicon, my my cadence as well. I like my to third still. favorite porn site to go to. <laughs> Bang, bangers. <laughs> when you search com. Greg <laughs> Bangers, see what you find. <laughs> Greg, don't, Greg, don't don't Google that, please. Do not Google that. Bruce Perky, again, do you agree? Three is it a strong week? For cinema, or is it just any other week where we just cover strong cinema anyway? See, that's the thing. Every week we cover strong cinema. What are you talking about, Greg? Well, this is like that. every other week we cover strong cinema. No, there's some there's some really interesting stuff this week. Um, I think that people, if they listen to us as they should be listening to us, they will discover some things they may have never discovered before and be very happy to do so. Can we? Okay, let's just bang the drum and pat ourselves on the back. Bang. Bang, pat, 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 the drum. pat cradle, pat the cradle the drum, cradle, cradle the, drum. the drum, cradle the drum. Can Greg's we just credit ourselves? Today. Yes, can we just cre- thank you, thank you, Eric Holmes. Can we just credit ourselves? Lunana, a yak in the classroom, yes, Oscar nomination. What do you guys think? What do you guys think? Uh, were you guys surprised? I was surprised, Bruce, Eric. What do you think? Um, I'm surprised, uh, mostly because uh, we, we talked about this. I, I didn't think it was uh, 2001, but I guess that's when it was released in the country it came from. Um, yeah. Regardless, I'm happy to see that it uh, uh, was nominated for Best International Feature. Is that correct? Yeah. Best, yeah. And, uh, anything Bhutan. That, Bhutan. Anything that'll get more eyes on Pem Zam is a uh, plus in my book. Yes, Eric Holmes has been at the Pem Zam, Zam or Zan, Zan, Pem Zam or Zan, Pem Zam, Zam, Pem Zam. He has he is basically FYI. Eric Holmes is now the uh, the U.S. publicist for Pem Zam. He is yep. promoting her work. And he I, wants I will to take make, that job. He will he will take that job. She is again. She is a non actor in Lunana, a yak in the classroom. She is. Bruce, just a natural. She's just one of those people. When you look at, you just you're yes. invested already. Yeah, okay. she's absolutely a natural. I, I was so excited to see something I never expected, and I would see people constantly commenting. And you even posted a thing. People commenting like, "What is this Lunana Yak in the classroom?" We're like, we're raising our hands. We know, we know. Listen to us. We tell you, told you about it, and. Yes, that made me very happy. It made me very happy to see Jesse Buckley get nominated yeah. as well. Jeff Buckley. Jeff Buckley did get nominated from Beyond the Grave. For for The Lost Daughter, a a, a movie that our our cinematics brethren and and the film vault brethren, Anderson Cowan, does not like, I believe. He did not like The Lost Daughter. We all of us endorsed it, right? Am I correct on this? Yes. Can can I mention something? Another movie that got 
uh, nominated was Don't Look Up. Now I, I didn't I didn't see that. <laughs> Did it show up? On got, the thing? got nominated I, for best best picture and I guess best screenplay. But here's here's the thing. Uh, Remember uh, when I said that this movie, you know, 10, 15 years, however long from now, right. it's it's gonna be like people are gonna that hated are gonna go back and it's like, oh, it's like idiocracy, kind of like that. All that goes off the table if it wins best picture. Because if this one's best picture, that's like the worst possible thing that could happen to this movie. Because then it doesn't become this wonderful movie that we all know it is, or at least I do. But you guys will get there eventually. But what's going to happen is don't look up. If don't look up wins best picture, then the narrative becomes, oh, it didn't deserve it. Blah, blah, blah. It wasn't that good. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like the crash thing. Like if crash was just an indie movie. And just kind of came and went, and then someone saw it and it's like, "Oh, this is a pretty cool movie." But since it won Best Picture, now it becomes this whole big thing. Backlash. You're talking about the backlash, yeah, right? Back, that, it, that crash. Apparently, English came up with a word to describe what I'm <laughs> saying. <laughs> no, 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 and no, no, that no. word is backlash. Um, also, Dune, Best Picture. I think that could go with I, you the know, other I, way. Bruce, I missed that. Did I? Did I see that, Bruce? Was that on? The, was Dune on the list? Did you see Dune? And don't look up, Bruce. Did you see I, those? I somehow my eyeballs skipped right past those and went to some other ones. So. By the way, in defense but, of Eric Holmes, don't look up and Dune are two films that he really loved and and was praising I, during. Yes, I hope that Don't Look Up does not win. I really do not want this movie Eric to win Holmes because is a huge I film. do not want to. I do not want to deal with the backlash. But I because you whole, love it so much. Because you love it so much. I, I I think it. I think it says some things, and maybe after some time, you know, pe- it, people come around to it. But if it wins Best Picture, that's out the window. That ink never going to happen. But um, one of the things I was thinking of when going through the uh, the. Uh, best picture nominations yeah you know you you can look at that and like uh you can kind of see how the narrative might play out if this move like if coda wins what's the narrative like the narrative is going to be it's the little movie that could coda winning would be a good thing for it if power of the dog wins maybe it becomes oh the movie wasn't that good um certainly with don't look up it's you know and it's i I was like looking through them and wondering like okay if that wins is that going to be a net positive or negative for the movie and they're not winning is not always the best thing that could happen to a movie that gets nominated for an oscar case in point green book case in point to that yeah. with that movie yeah. like, that movie is now vilified and i still haven't seen green book and, and i'm sure i might like it when i'm sure i'll probably like it when i see it but the fact that it's received such to your yeah. point eric la la land i think la la land is a great movie but it came out the same year as moonfall and then that became a thing and so you know, la la kind of moonlight, moonlight. You're thinking moonfall, which you're gonna do. You're gonna, re- you're gonna, okay. I apologize to everyone behind. Remember, remember in- that Academy <laughs> Awards where they accidentally gave it to moonfall by mistake? God damn it. <laughs> moonlight did one not of, deserve that. I am so yeah. sorry. Yeah, one of, one of these movies <laughs> is one of the best films in cinema, and the other one won best picture. Okay, so uh. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Those are the ones, yes. Moonfall, this is a spoiler. Eric Holmes will be reviewing Moonfall. Also, Bruce and I want to clap and credit Eric Holmes. There was a time when he was really championing these movies. He was definitely championing Don't Look Up. I'm just so glad that Bruce Perky and I, during the recording, if you go back and listen to our review of Don't Look Up, Bruce and I both said, you know, 
Don't look up. It's not such a bad movie. It's getting. It's really underrated. It's like a five star movie. I remember we, we, you said we, we, that. It was... we, it's a little bit underrated, Bruce. Weren't we saying that it's a little bit underrated? It's. Overlooked? I remember saying this was a dark horse for an Oscar nod. I remember that happening. Yeah, I mean, credit Eric Holmes, but I mean, Bruce and I were kind of on the pulse. No, actually, Bruce and I both really disliked this movie. We beat up Eric Holmes that entire podcast. So that episode. So congrats, Eric Holmes, on the not to not to belabor the Oscars, but yes. But, but, so we got we got Yak in the classroom. Yeah, we got Luna, uh, yes. Um, more importantly, Pim Zam, uh, yeah. who was in Yak in the Classroom. Jesse Buckley. Oh, uh, you know what? You know what got uh, nominated for Best Cinematography? What Dune? Tragedy of Macbeth. Oh, Tragedy of Macbeth. Okay, and you know another <laughs> called that one too. Think well, it did. <laughs> we all know the Oscars are a sham because there's no nominations for Beyond the Infinite in two minutes, a movie that all three of us love. That'll to that'll be in the twenty. 20- 22 oscars okay now it, listeners it fucking better be <laughs> if effing better be listeners you didn't listen to me bruce and eric about lunana a yak in the classroom now because freaking oscar is in the house you're gonna start looking and wondering what that is we're telling you bruce can you say one more time for people to listen to watch this anything else what, what else can we say for about lunana anything you got a pitch there's a yak actually in the classroom there's a yak in the classroom Okay, so Lunana, number one. And remember, Beyond the Infinite in two minutes, it's on VOD. It's only like 72 minutes. It's a painless watch. I loved it. Me, Eric, and Bruce loved it. Bruce, did you ever see Did you show this to your kids? No, not yet. No, I didn't. I, I wanted to, but I didn't. I didn't. My, I, you know, Eric, you didn't see, show, that to, show this to your fam- family, Beyond the Infinite in two no. minutes? I, saw, I, think it, I think it might be... Uh, I think it might be... You might be able to rent it for... I bought it. I bought it for 10 bucks on Amazon. Okay. And I showed it to my mom. She was about five minutes into it, and she could not stand it. So I'm one... <laughs> Guys, do you think we loved it so much, but do you think it is a niche film? What you need to do is like block out every... The screen, everything except Pem Zam, and then like... So your mom can just focus on her. Oh, no, no. I meant and, Beyond the Infinite in two minutes. She, I'm oh. sure she's going to love Luna, Lunana. Everyone's yeah. going to love. You can't, I, I, you can't I, not like... There's no chance in heck that anyone's going to absolutely dislike Lunana. She didn't like Beyond the Infinite in two minutes. Okay, so what you do is you put on Beyond the Infinite two minutes, and you put a picture of Pem Zam on top of the <laughs> television screen, and she will very, she will be very, eyes very. glued to the screen or just above it. Speaking of eyes glued, we're going to actually have a lot more eyes glued. They were not eyes wide shut. These were eyes glued to the cinema, as Eric Holmes will detail his experience watching Roland Emmerich's masterpiece, Moonfall later in the episode. Bruce has, ready or not, Bruce has some a couple of really interesting picks as well this week, and we're going to get to him. And later on, also, his box movie this week is a movie called La Ventura. He asked me or Eric if we've seen the movie. Per the, per the passing of Monica Vitti, one of the co-stars, the lead star in La Ventura, Eric Holmes, have you ever seen La Ventura? I have not. You have not. Okay. No, and Bruce, not. I'm going to mention this to you. I can actually kind of help you on your box movie review, by the way. It was suggested by our fellow Cinematics group member, Matt Stillman. Thank you, Matt, for this recommendation. La Ventura, starring the late Monica Vitti. I saw this years ago at my UCLA film class, Italian film studies class. And I'll tell you my impression of them that movie once we get to the box. But first, our first featured movie this week and I'm just going to do a, I, I, I don't know which where to start first, but you know what? I'm just going to start with a, one of our favorites. By the way, Eric and I, we kind of liked, Eric, I remember you and I kind of liked Possessor, but I know that Bruce Perky absolutely was passionate about Possessor. All three of us love Andrea Riseborough. So yeah. once this movie called Here Before came out, it's in theaters February 11th and VOD 
on February 15th, we jumped at the chance to actually watch this movie. Megan, take that in. They have it. Your neighbors? Have a way guard. It's cute. Cuter than me. It's Megan Sattlin in school. Hi, hi. I just have them writing these journals, you know. Hi, Josie did one. My daughter, she's not with us anymore. Josie, Josie. Can they give me a lift? I'm sure your mommy's on her way. Oh, please, I'm freezing. Come on. I was here before. She says she's been to the graveyard. Well, she's never been here. The white girl puts me in mind of Josie. She'd be about the same age. When we came here before, I was too small for these, wasn't I? You've never been here before. We have. There was a yellow thing. A fish. She knows places, Josie. Josie, you're starting to worry me here now. I understand that I sound crazy. Megan is not <laughs> Josie. How do you know? Just leave us alone, please. I don't know what's what's the problem. You. Do you want to come to the car for one minute? I'm supposed to be in school. Don't tell your mommy. She's always been here. She'll help us through this. Andrea Riceboro. She's an Irish woman. She's a housewife and um, seemingly happily married. She has a kid. She has a son, a teenage son. Unfortunately, they've lost a daughter a long time ago uh, via a car crash. And when a new couple and their respective daughter move in next door, it's not really next door. They all live in this one big house and it's like a subdivision right there. So there's like they kind of share the same property. But once that new couple moves in with the daughter, Andrea Riseborough's character starts believing that daughter might be that that little girl might be the reincarnation of her daughter. So this is maybe a supernatural thriller. Maybe it might have elements of horror. Who knows? It's very oblique and a slow burn. It's directed by, I believe, I just interviewed her. I should know her name. Stacey Gregg, written and directed by her. Yes. Let's start with you, Bruce Perky. Andrea Riseborough, you should be right up your alley. You like slow burns. Was this an easy sell for you? This was an easy sell for me, actually. Um, But these movies are always... You know, they're a little up in the air, like which way they're going to go could do, kind of all just depends on how it hits you and, you know, where your mood is and all that kind of stuff. But at least I knew going in to kind of expect that slow burn kind of thing. So as you describe it, I think one of the biggest problems people might have with this is thinking that it's going to be a lot more supernatural, although there are there are hints that it could be. But I think that what to me, what's the selling point of this movie above and beyond Andrea uh, Riseborough's performance, which is freaking excellent what really sells it to me is just that there is this kind of very slow awkward escalation and obsession that's kind of at the core of this movie and i think like early on here's a perfect example is that i think that laura andrea's character laura is out to pick up her son i believe at school 
And the neighbor girl's just standing there waiting for her mom, like she's been standing there for a while. And then I think, and then the girl's like, well, can you give me a ride? And she's like, well, I can't do that. You know, like a parent would be. You're not going to pick up another parent's kid. And then she finally convinced to do it. And it's kind of uncomfortable right there. And then as they're riding home, they ride past the cemetery and the little girl says something to the effect of, oh, I remember that place or whatever. And she's like, what? And slowly there's these little things get dropped that the kid shouldn't know about her kid and she starts to become she starts to she being laura starts to insinuate herself into kind of this motherly relationship with this girl and the way it plays out and the they're they're literally a duplex like they literally share a wall with his other family it's pretty great i think i i really like this movie and we're not going to obviously talk about it there's a twist in this movie or a, I guess I would say a reveal in this movie that I think really works well. Some people are might not like it, but in the, one of these kind of movies where it's like, is it a ghost? Is she crazy? I feel like this movie answers that in a very satisfying way to my sensibilities. Uh, and also, last thing I would say is the soundtrack is amazing. The score is really good and really evocative in this movie. And the whole movie just feels like damp and rainy and cold. It's... It's good. I like this movie a lot. This is the directing debut of Stacey Gregg, who's had a career in the theater. Bruce, are you surprised this is her debut? Because I, I feel that this is a self-assured filmmaker. Yes, I felt the same way. I felt this was very strong. And, and it seemed like, you know how you see, like, I mean, this isn't like hereditary. It's different. But when you saw hereditary, you felt like, wow, this filmmaker knows right out of the gate what they're doing. They have a very clear vision of what they're presenting, whether you like it or not. This movie kind of feels like that to me, too. This person knows exactly what she wants to put on the screen and how she wants to put it there. And you can like it or not, but there's no doubt about it. Well, speaking of there's no doubt about it, I had no doubt that Bruce Berkey would at least like this movie, like here before. Eric, I know you like these type of movies as well, but I, I don't know if I'm too confident regarding your reaction. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say about here before. I I like this one. I think I'd like it more on repeat viewings uh, with the with the uh, writer director. This feels like a movie that like this one's good. Her next one's gonna be fucking awesome. And I don't know what her next movie's gonna be, but it, it's got that kind of Julia Ducano thing where it's like, yeah, Raw's good, but Teton's like right around the corner, and that one's gonna knock your socks off. Andrea Riseborough, she's been in a bunch of stuff. I remember her. The first time I remember her is in Mandy. And I know I've seen movies because I think she was on uh, Never Let Me Go. Like she was in other movies. Oblivion. Oblivion. Yeah, she didn't. She never really stood out. It wasn't until Mandy that it's like, oh, that's her. And then she was in The Possessor. And it's like, oh, it's it's the chick from Mandy. And then this. But like with The Possessor and Mandy, I don't want to say she didn't have a character because she definitely stood out, but her character were her characters in both seem more um what's the word? Esoteric um, or just uh they're, they're just I guess. They're, they weren't like, really like, fully like she's not they're... really she's not really a character, she's like a more color a on the palette. Yeah, a presence. Yeah. yeah. Um maybe. And this I I I got like a really charming character out of her. I'm with her. I I feel like I'm watching an actual person where and and this is not you know, not diminishing her in uh, Possessor or Mandy, because those movies are style. That was a stylistic choice to have her characters like that. This one's trying to get more into her. And I feel like she had a lot more to chew on. And I think she fucking nailed it, really. And I I need to go back and watch her other movies and uh, see why I didn't recognize her. <laughs> 
before. Erica, I, th- I think you make a good point about here before. You were saying this could be a better, I, I, I guess, more value. I, mean, I don't know, value added, but could be a better watch upon the second viewing. And I think that's a very astute observation because I think, Bruce, to your, to your point, there are things in this movie that are you need to pick up another time. Meaning, meaning sometimes a scene will play out not exactly the way you want it to play out or you think it's going to play out and, or, and it'll just cut to something something different and you're going what what just happened here do you guys feel that way that it's still of a it's a puzzle of a movie in, in many ways and it doesn't really spell out everything and a, I, li- I a little it. bit but i i got the i got the sense that you know the movie knew what it was doing so i just kind of rolled with it you know there, there's some movies you watch where it, it does a bunch of weird shit for the sake of doing weird shit and it, at least me i get you know i'll get lost and be like i don't understand what they're going for this seems like a bunch of bullshit and i just don't trust the filmmakers that they're going to tell a story and then usually by the time we get something to the movie it's like cool the filmmakers didn't tell a story this was a case where like uh i got lost a couple times but it it felt like i was in good hands so i just kind of trusted it and you know, it, it paid off watching it again, you know, with movies like this, it, it helps to watch it again because, you know, you know what it is now. And then you can go back and, you know, with idiots like me that need someone to hold my hand, watching the movie the first time is what's holding my hand as I watch it the second time. Another thing about here before that I really loved is the fact, even though we love supernatural thrillers, I'm thinking of a movie like The Sixth Sense where it's a supernatural thriller, but it has some heart to it. Here before has some unexpected heart to it. And if you have lost someone in your life that you love and, and whatnot, I think it will speak to you if you get on this kind of vibe of what here before is going for. Bruce, do you agree with that as far as a little bit of that that kind of resonance to it? Or do you, or is it more yes. of a, a genre? Okay. I, I do agree with that. I agree with that a lot. I mean, because it's pretty universal either i mean everyone's at least been a kid and a lot of people have have a kid so that definitely or you know a younger you know person in their life a nephew a niece whatever so i think that that is pretty universal as well and just to eric's point i think the rewatchability on this is really strong too because so in this movie a lot of stuff just kind of is presented as kind of um atmosphere or scene setting but i believe on rewatch there's a lot of details in there that are actually explained more when you know the story and a perfect example would be after i watched this i rewatched the ending and i rewatched the beginning i didn't rewatch the whole movie but i rewatched the beginning and when i rewatched the beginning i'm like oh wow this whole movie is going to be like this there's some certain little moments right before the opening shots where you hear some things and you see some flashes of things that make sense when you've seen the movie and there's a shot overhead shot of a crossroads, like a country crossroads that means nothing to you when you start watching the movie other than, okay, I guess we're starting here. But when you see it again, it means a lot. And there's a lot of stuff I think like that in this movie. It's really good. It's complex. Wow. wow. Okay. So that it's here before Eric, a couple more things you want to say about here before, before we uh, do uh, my, my rating for here before, I mean, solid four star rating for me, Eric, final thoughts and your rating. Um, I want to see Andrea Risebro get more, uh, obviously I want to see her do more cause I, I like her. Um, but I, I want to see her get more characters like this really get the, really get the chew on something. Cause she, she had a lot to do with it. She had a lot to do in this and yeah, I, I'd like to see, and just, just writing in general, like having characters with, uh, you know, this much depth to them and, uh, 
little eccentricities. Uh, that's, that's not the right word, that's but just right. a, a bunch of little tiny, cool things that they can do. And not just like, you know, hollow ticks. Like I'm a podcaster, tick, tick. I'm a, I'm talking tick, tick, tick. That's uh, this is a uh, surface area that makes up for lack of depth. Tick, tick, tick. Sounds like Eric's Jared, adding me to his movie or something. Your screenplay. I, the Greg I was Trisabas talking about here. like a Jared Leto character. Oh, tick, 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 tick. <laughs> but, you know. but yeah, that, I, I really liked her in this. I love how her character was written and more importantly, how it was uh, performed. And this was a really good movie. I would I, I would probably give this a four stars. Okay. Four stars for you, yeah. Eric Holmes. Four for me and Bruce. You got the final? Uh, four and a half. Four and a half stars for Bruce Perky. Okay. Here before again in theaters, February 11th, directed, penned by Stacey Gregg. Very interesting filmmaker. I really can't wait to see more of her. Going back to Eric was, was saying, Eric's prediction that her next one should be even a bigger banger. I'm going to have to agree. I mean, it's, it should be really good. And Actually, also, if you... I almost want to give this three stars because I know her next one's going to be five stars and it'll make <laughs> the five star that much sweeter, but I'll okay. still give it four. <laughs> very, very good, Eric Holmes. Staying with the four and again, for most people, for a lot of people who, if you can't see it on theaters February 11th, it'll be on VOD on February 15th. Next up is a review that I'm just, I don't know where to start with and i i think i'm just gonna sit this one out i am in shock there's a movie called cosmic dawn it's in theaters and on demand february 11th i i like to say i'm esoteric and eccentric but i'll just say this eric and bruce are a lot more eccentric in a good way when it comes to their cinema viewing this movie really took me by surprise in a good way i don't know how to even start this movie i'm only gonna say it centers on this this young woman who is trying to find her mother. Her, her mother was supposedly abducted years ago by aliens, like close encounters of the third kind kind of experience. And to find her mother, she joins a UFO cult. I guess they're called Cosmic Dawn. I think that's what they're called. And yeah, the, the lead actress is, her name is, I believe her, her name is Camille Rowe. Camila Rowe, I believe. Yeah, Camille Rowe is the lead actress. And she's pretty good in this movie. Emmanuel Shrieky, she stars as one of the, she starts as a person who recruits her into this UFO cult. And there's a host of other characters. There's Joshua Burge, and he's the lead actor from Buzzard, a movie that our buddy Anderson loves and adores. So he has a big oh, role in this one. Oh, that's who that guy was. Yes, that's who that I guy was. I thought he looked yes. familiar. I, I couldn't, a, I couldn't place it. Yes, there's a, there's a moment where Joshua Burge's character hands Camille Rose character a plate of spaghetti and people who have seen Buzzard will realize wow that's kind of trolling that Buzzard in a way because yeah. in Buzzard he he actually eats pasta in a very wow very memorable fashion if you haven't seen Buzzard yet maybe give that one a shot that's a that's a movie that I'll just open your eyes as well and it's an Anderson Cowan recommended movie I think all of us like that movie as well Bruce did you like Buzzard or was it not for you when you saw Buzzard from I have never seen Buzzard never saw it. Oh, okay that might be interesting down the road for you to see Bruce Perge. 2014's Buzzard, but now we're talking about Cosmic Down, music by MGMT, really interesting sound design, really interesting color palette. I just did not know where this movie was going, and I was confused throughout the entire experience, but in a good way. Eric Holmes, let's start with you. Cosmic Dawn. Overall, I liked it. There there was one thing that um, I really did not like, like vehemently did not like. And I can't talk about it because it's kind of, it would like even me saying like in general, what it was would ruin, uh, spoil it. But 
barring all that, I, I liked how trippy it was. First of all, before you watch this movie, uh, go find your local drug dealer, find some shrooms, eat all of them, then put this movie on. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. probably the best way to watch this. Uh, this movie gets trippy, and and like when it does like the like that really colorful rainbow kind of they're in space, but kind of you know like purple haze or you know whatever scenes were really cool. Eric, um, what are you talking? Were you really on shrooms? Because th- those scenes were not in the movie. <laughs> Bruce, were they in the movie? Oh, I don't know what he's talking about. It's weird. I don't even know you know, of course. But yeah, they were in the movie. <laughs> um, might have been a flashback. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like the, uh, you know, the cold aspect. It reminded me, I, I mentioned to you guys, it reminded me a lot of Midsummer. This was like the B-movie version of Midsummer. <laughs> Very clear. Not as good as Midsummer. But like that's kind of that's kind of the the area it's in. Um, I I think where Midsummer kind of you know gets a little deeper, plays with metaphor and plays with themes and ideas. Uh, this one is pretty straightforward in the story that it's trying to tell. Overall, it's good. Uh, not great, but definitely definitely trippy. The music was very strange because they had movies will have like themes. Like you know a character like the the easiest uh, example of like when. Uh, Darth Vader walks in, you know, it plays the Death March or whatever. Uh, when Leia walks in, it plays Leia's theme. This does that. Like when something happens, it has a certain theme. When it makes a transition, you know, it does that that screen wipe. Yeah. And yeah. that even has a theme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, and it's so, so the, the, it's so weird. The score is front and center in this, as is the, you know, almost as much as all the trippy stuff is. And at times it was, uh, at first it was distract, but I, I just kind of, I just kind of, you know, fell into it. You know, it's like, okay, this is, this is where we're at and this is what we're doing. This is yeah. probably going to be, I, I can see this being like some people's least favorite movie of the year. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I could see it going the other way as well. Like I, yeah. I could see someone seeing this going, dude, Cosmic Dawn is the greatest thing ever. Forget last looks happened last week. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? I gave that movie like three and a half or four stars at least how dare you i was beaten up on that one but But, uh we we've mentioned before this is one of those movies like stick with it for 20 minutes if you're not in just bail and if you are then it's just gonna get you're gonna love it even more as it goes on Yes, you're right. It, it, it's a movie that I, I think at least stay 20 minutes. It it actually is so trippy. It builds upon it. And also, if you know that the filmmaker Jefferson Monio or something, Moneo, M-O-N-E-O, he's written in, writer and director. He actually believes in alien abductions. I think he actually personally experienced it. Okay. So it's the reason why the movie has <laughs> I had a, a feeling. That, that ex- I had a feeling. That, ex- so that explains and everything that I was had a problem with. <laughs> it's one of these things where he's just so invested in it. And that's why this movie doesn't feel like it's shot from a distance, like Close Encounters of Third Kind, where it's observing people. You actually feel like you're in part of Cosmic Dawn, which is a good thing for some people, like Eric was saying, and then might be something that's absolutely no way for a lot of people. Okay, that bit of information changes things a lot. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I, I still think it's a good movie, um, but if you're a conspiracy theorist, stay away from this movie. You have enough problems. You don't need this exasperating. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. All right. Bruce Perky, Cosmic Dawn, lifelong flan or fan, fan of Klaatu, calling occupants of interplanetary. <laughs> what is it? 
of interplanet. Wait, calling occupants of interplanetary craft. Do yes. you like them? Yeah, are you a fan of them? <laughs> it's a very famous song, and it got re-recorded by the Carpenters. And I believe you hear both versions in this movie. <laughs> so. <laughs> And Klaatu, for a while, it was a 70s prog rock band from Canada. And for a while, people thought they were the Beatles, like under a different name, hiding away. But they don't. They're not the Beatles. They're not even close. Anyway, <laughs> before I had your little inside information. <laughs> before your inside Klaatu. Klaatu does not appreciate your your transmissions from Earth, Bruce Perky. <laughs> That's okay. They're, they're in the, the cosmic dimension now. Um, <laughs> before you told me the facts about this movie, I was going to say... You know how you see some movies and they really try to recreate that like mind-altered experience of being on drugs and stuff, but this felt like somebody that was mind-altered and on drugs when they made the movie. <laughs> Maybe they did or didn't recreate it. I didn't hate this movie. It didn't anger me. It, it wasn't great. It was kind of in the middle. A couple thoughts I had. Oh, I kind of agree with Eric. Uh, the score was really, sometimes it was kind of great and kind of this weird retro-y electro thing, and sometimes it felt kind of distracting to me. And then the tone was a little bit all over the place in this movie. Like, sometimes I actually thought it might be a comedy, but I don't think it was supposed to be a comedy. And here's an example. Well, the, the wipes. The yeah, wipes. The wipes. But then yeah. there was another thing. Early on, it did this thing where, and I remember the time span. I'm going to say four years. I don't remember what it was. It would say, like, four years later. Then it would say four years earlier. And then it would say four years later. <laughs> like, they couldn't even trust us to know when <laughs> stuff was happening. This has, more time, <laughs> like, there, this has more weird time shifts than a Christopher Nolan film. It's just a weird... And, thing you know <laughs> and then i thought about the perfect way to watch i'm gonna get one little bio added thing at the end of this too though i thought about the perfect way to watch this movie i think if you want to watch this movie and enjoy it don't think of it as what it is imagine this is a long lost first season star trek episode where they go to the planet of cult uh, there's no star trek members in this movie but they go to the planet of cult and they have an adventure there, and then it's over. Because I swear, when they were at the cult area, which there is in this movie, it felt to me a lot like Star Trek. There's these really, like, colorful, stagey stage stages. <laughs> and everyone had colorful uniforms. And it was just, it was odd. This movie is, is genuinely odd. And I'm really glad you told us what you told us, because I thought as I was watching it, like, I was, like, almost thinking, like, is this made by a religious group or something? Or... And then when you say it's made by someone who really believes, then I can see this is like a passion project for the people or some of the people involved. Um, uh, yeah, so it's okay. And last thing I'd say is uh, Camille Rowe, I th I think she could be pretty cool if she's given a little bit better role. Um, so far, I've only seen her in one other movie, which I also saw this week, called oh. the, the Deep House, where it's a haunted house movie where the haunted house is submerged under a lake. That sounds pretty cool, actually. Sounds really cool. It's pretty terrible. But she's the best part of it. <laughs> okay. So that, okay. So that's value added because... Value added. <laughs> she, she has potential. Like, if you were a, an up-and-coming director, she could probably anchor your lead. Who knows? Possibly. She definitely had a lot of charisma in this movie, I thought. And I think it's it's worth giving it... I mean, I don't know how spectacular her acting was be. She didn't have to do a ton in this. But uh, so, yeah, this is kind of middle of the road for me. Uh, you know, maybe wait for it to be free somewhere. And like Eric said, dip in for a half hour, see if you're digging it. Yeah, this movie for me, it's just so weird and off-putting. And, and I, I was just... But when Joshua Burge came in from Buzzard, I said, oh, man, I love him. It's like watching a great character actor just do his thing. And he, he's, he to me, just really made the movie. And I don't know. 
in that piece, the fact that you feel like you're part of inside this whole Cosmic Dawn era, and the fact that the filmmaker doesn't seem to be a, a cinephile, I, as far as the way it's cut, the way it's shot, it's just a weird, discordant type of narrative that, for some reason, just struck me. And yes, Bruce. Battlefield Earth is worse than this, but it feels similar. Like when they're making it based on their, you know what I mean? Like yeah, they're making yeah, a movie, yeah. but they kind of, yeah. Battlefield Earth is worse than this, worse than this though, for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, for me, I might, I might actually be giving this a, a better rating than both of you. I, for some reason, I ended up liking this movie. So I would get, this is for me. I would give this three and a half stars for Cosmic Dawn. Again, it hits theaters. No, it hits theaters and on demand February 11th. Eric Combs slapped down some ratings on Cosmic Dawn. So originally I was thinking three stars. The one guy that I like is a guy from Buzzard. And then so that bumps up to about three and a half. And then uh, Greg mentioned that the, the guy was like, actually like, you know, is a conspiracy theorist. And I really don't like stuff like that like the people that actually believe right. that like that that stuff gets dangerous and whatever um so that bumped it back down to probably about a two and a half and then bruce said imagine this was the star trek episode which brought it up to a four <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, oh god i i don't know and then you have to throw in like you have to have the right substance maybe to to watch this too that might be dude it, like literally if i took shrooms while watching this this might be a five-star banger <laughs> but i didn't so it's not but oh geez i i had I'm, I'm gonna go with three and a half okay but also is it, is, this is this this is this movie's almost impossible to star rate because this is one of those like it, it's not like a I, I like a personal you. story like a you know indie porn but it, this is like a like this is completely personal taste there are going to yeah. be people that love this movie. And there are yeah. going to be people that hate this. And there's going to be people that's like, okay, it's whatever it's on. I'll watch. It's just going to go. I mean, most, I guess most movies go all over the place, but this one specifically. No, yeah, this one specifically, I'm watching this and I'm thinking throughout the entire movie, what the, what am I watching right now? What, <laughs> yeah. what am I, I said this, I, I, what am I watching? I, I never I said think, that during Midsommar. I never said that during Midsommar, Eric. I, I don't want to go, I don't want to go right down the middle with two and a half because I think it's better than that. Um, it, It's actually a pretty decent movie, you know, nuts and bolts, you know, it's a good sure. movie. So, but I, I think three and a half is probably fair for this okay. one. And then, and, and then, you know, it's going to go up or down depending on, on how you feel about it, obviously. Okay. Fair, fair. Three and a half stars for Eric Holmes. Three and a half for me. Final say, Bruce Perky. I will give it two and a half with the caveat, because we haven't mentioned caveat in quite a while. Oh, okay. Good point. <laughs> with, the, uh, <laughs> with the caveat that if you play this simultaneously, synced up and superimposed over a color out of space, you will open another dimension and probably have <laughs> multicolored llamas attack you from, yeah, it's, it'll happen. Col- I I completely <laughs> forgot about <laughs> color out of space because yes. I w- was thinking about that while watching that this. good double feature yeah and actually so, same time I, not I, double I, same, same time, time. <laughs> yeah watching both in my head man that but trippy, also man. Bruce mentioned the Battlefield Earth and there's there's something there because I I actually like Battlefield Earth it's a, it's like one of those things like I saw it and like oh this is a cool stupid movie and everyone's like it's the worst movie ever I'm like okay whatever fuck but. Keep in mind, this is a guy that loves Don't Look Up, so take that for what it is. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, Battlefield Earth and uh, 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 Color Out of Space. Dude, this, like, if you watch Color Out of Space and then this, that's like 
a fucking perfect perfect double feature because they they both kind of like neither one reaches mandy because mandy's so fucking good and but each of them kind of try to get there but they don't quite reach it but like yeah color out of space was a good call i was actually thinking that while i was watching the movie Okay, again, color. I mean, uh, color out of space. Color out of space is currently on on uh, Shutter, probably, and available on Blu-ray. But if you want to see Cosmic Dawn and Superimpose, both of them, you're gonna have to actually watch. Well, first of all, you can watch it in theaters. You can't do that. But if you want to actually do the superimposing thing that Bruce was talking about, Cos- Cosmic Dawn is also on demand, February 11th. Three and a half for Eric. Three and a half for me. Two and a half stars for Bruce Perky. Our final featured review this week. Hey guys, what's up? Just a quick correction. We're right now. I'm, I'm just interjecting. I wanted to mention Catch the Fair One. That is our next review. Proper way to pronounce their names. The lead actress, her name is Kaylee Reese. K-L-I-R-E-I-S. Kaylee Reese. I pronounce it Kelly a couple of times because I'm an idiot. And to pronounce the director's name, the writer-director's name, his name is Joseph Vladika. Joseph Vladika. Okay, here we are. Catch the fair one review and apologies. Apologies for my just butchering of both their names during the review. All right, bye. It's catch the fair one. Close it up one time. Turn. Grip it. You better say yes. <laughs> I find girls and bring them to the motel. Is that right? Yes, yeah, right. If you want to go through with this, you have to be all in and play the part. And once you're there, you're on your own. If I were you, I'd walk away. Hi. Hi. Nice to meet you. Seatbelt on, please. I'm angry. It was my responsibility to keep her safe, and I failed to do so. Where is she? She's gone. I'm never going to see her again. Nobody's looking because nobody cares. Not a day goes by where I don't think about this little girl. You think I remember their names? This is about survival. Go! You gotta be ready. Get out of here, girls, go! I tell myself she's dead. But she keeps swimming on back to me. To remind me, she's still out there. Where's my sister? It's a movie that comes out on February 11th. In select theaters and on demand everywhere you rent movies. My fault, I should have... I interviewed the lead actress and the director, the writer-director, Joseph Kubota, and I'm going to mispronounce his name, Vladka? Vlad, Vladika? I just call him Joseph. He's directed episodes of Narcos, very talented filmmaker. He helmed Catch the Fair One. He collaborated with the lead actress, Callie, and I apologize that is a phone call. I'm going to mute myself right now. So we are back. I, we apologize for my, uh, my, my, my sister is calling and I forgot to take out the phone. Hopefully there's going to be no other phone rings. Catch the Fair One, directed by Joseph Kubota. I'm just going to say Vladkia and I apologize for, for mispronouncing his name. And it's the lead actress is Callie Reese. Callie K.O. Reese is a real life boxer. So, so she actually brought her own life experiences to this movie. The movie centers the main character is appropriately named 
Kaylee. And Kaylee is a former pugilist who is now, she's a dishwasher at a diner, a waitress dish. I, no, she's a waitress at a diner. And she, I, I think she lives in a halfway house. And at night, you realize she, she puts a razor in her mouth, in, in the side of her cheek, because obviously she's not living in the best of situations and she's not making the best of money. At the end of a shift, she actually tries to save some of the leftovers that people leave as trash to to feed herself. And you're wondering, oh, is this movie going to be about her maybe destitute life? No, the movie centers on Kaylee's determination to find her younger sister who's gone missing due to some kind of sex trafficking ring. And she does, the only way she can, in her belief, the only way she can actually find her sister is to become a member of this sex trafficking ring, become a a prostitute, and then work her way inside and figure out where her sister is. And that is the premise behind Catch the Fair One, again, in theaters February 11th and everywhere you rent movies. Callie Reese, this is K.O. Reese. This is her feature debut as an actress, an absolute natural. And I, again, I mentioned Josephie's directed episodes, I believe, of Narcos as well. So you get a little bit of that. It's an indie film, but he knows how to move the camera. He knows how to tell the story. It's only 86 minutes. Bruce, let's start, start off with you. Catch the Fair One, your overall thoughts on this movie, which is a mix of a genre film, but it has some social messages, social themes as well. Yeah, I, I really like this movie. I liked it quite a bit. What I admired about it, we had talked a few weeks ago about Clean, and I had kind of not been so hot on that. I think this kind of did what I hoped that would be. I know they were different, aiming for different things. But to me, this is like really brutal, focused. It just knows what it wants to do and it doesn't stop. Kind of like the main character. Like she has a focus, she has a goal, and you're not going to stop till you get there. But it also doesn't like devolve into constant tropes, uh, has actual stakes. You feel that, you know, our main character is actually in danger. She's not like a super, you know, superhero type of character that can just kind of like one of the eighties action heroes where they could just do anything and they're, they're still fine. It's not one of those kind of movies. And also it just took, it took turns. I didn't quite expect she gets in the situation and you're like, okay, well, I kind of feel like I know how this is going to slowly unfold, but it, it takes a turn and takes another turn. And I was like, I don't really know where this is going exactly. I know where it's. I know where she's trying to get to and what she's trying to solve, but I was kind of surprised along the way how it how it got to those places. And I think it was really uncompromising in her character as well. Like her character wasn't just, you know, heroic with a great goal and there to do the right thing. Uh, she was she was willing to to kind of cross some lines because she needed to have happen what she needed to have happen and that kind of made her a little bit in a morally gray area as well, which I thought was really refreshing for her character, but wasn't like glossed over either. Like it, it, it made you see her a little more as a balanced uh, person. I thought it was really good. It might be a little too dark. How was the mix? How was the marriage, the marriage, you know, because it's trying to spotlight missing indigenous women, right? It's trying Mm -hmm. to put a spotlight on that, but it's also a genre action thriller. Do you think it worked to me? It worked really well. I mean, cause it kept it as, it kept it as her story. Like there was the bigger story that was surrounding it, but it was her story from beginning to end. And so it was it was telling the story, uh, the bigger story with a single personal story as the core. And I think that worked for me. And also it wasn't, I, I, I appreciated that it wasn't afraid to go dark if it had to go dark. And I, I really like that as well. I think that'll turn some people off. I think some people want more of a fun time with this, but I don't think that's exactly what it's going for. I think it's really pretty effective. A couple of uh, things. Kaylee Reese in real life is the first Native American fighter to win 
quote, the International Boxing Association middleweight crown. And she fought in the first female boxing match ever televised on HBO. So as a boxer, she's very successful. While I was watching this movie, I was thinking, this is a movie that Eric Holmes, he's got to love this movie. I'm sure he must love this movie. And I'm glad that, oh, uh-oh, you're, you're shaking your head. Well, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised that I'm Bruce liked it. I'm shaking my head because I'm fucking with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, we're glad that Bruce liked it. I liked it as well. Eric, your thoughts on Catch the Fair One? Look, I, I know the Oscars aren't here yet. And, you know, we're winding down the 2021 award season. So I'm kind of surprised that the 2022 award season, the battle for the uh, Virginia Newcomb Award 2022, is now between Pim Zam and Kali Reese. Uh, she was great in this. Kaylee Reese. Kaylee Reese. Kaylee Reese. Kaylee yeah, Reese. You, yeah, it's spelled like Kaylee, but it's Kaylee. Okay, Make yeah, sure. I, I, I see her character spelled Kaylee, and Kaylee, then her, yeah. her name is K-A-L-I, but Kaylee Reese, I will get it right, because <laughs> that, so far, I, I I thought it'd be further along down the road before uh, Pim Zan would be up against anyone, but uh, yeah, she was <laughs> she was great in this. This feels kind of like, because uh, Steve Soderbergh tried to do this with... Uh, Haywire, Gina Carano. Uh, yeah, Haywire, yeah. and I like Gina Carano. Yeah, same um, I, I liked her in that movie. You know, she was fine in the the Mandalorian. Um, but I think Kaylee, uh, Kaylee, Kaylee Reese. Yeah. Okay. Let me just get in my brain. Lock it in, Kaylee Reese. Okay. I think Kaylee Reese. She's fantastic in this. Yeah. And I want to see her in a bunch more stuff. And I'm actually kind of, uh, because I'm not familiar with her as a, uh, um, as a bot, as a boxer or a fighter. But the fact that she's successful in that means that she doesn't have to act if she doesn't want to. So hopefully that means that uh, she doesn't have to accept any script that comes her way. Maybe she can be more selective. And I, I'm just excited to see her in more things. As for this movie, uh, so, uh started off kind of like The Wrestler, kind of had The Wrestler vibes, and then it turned into uh, Underground. Like a, what, a death wish type or like an underground crime thriller no crime. the the like the sabaya mm, sabaya sabaya uh, the human trafficking thing came okay. in right. and then it, then it started to feel kind of like a almost like clove hitch killer you know but but mm. like it, it had like the the revenge movie kind of thing so it kind of seamlessly i don't know that those are different genres necessarily but it, it kind of felt like its own thing and it just it was so smooth like the way they just went from one thing and then they switch to another thing. I'm like, that's not what I thought it was, but this is cool. And then they switch to another thing. I'm like, I thought they were going somewhere else, but I can go with this too. Like at, every time they switch to something else, I was just kind of, I was just kind of letting it wash over me. It plays like a revenge movie, but by the time you get to the end, it plays like a revenge movie, but it's got the, like Bruce said with this one's got more heart to it. I feel more the, the character stuff, you know, the part where they're in the living room, like just how that whole scene plays out. And like the, you know, the, the, but there are certain characters that know things and there are certain characters that don't know things and neither one of them knows who knows what but the stakes are so high at that point that you know it, it's just uh brings me back to my heart can't beat unless you tell it to like we as the audience know what's going on we know what the stakes are the characters don't so to watch them kind of uh oh let's see what happens when you put a mouse in with this cat <laughs> the cat's probably going to walk away but we're going to see what the mouse is going to do while it's in there too. Uh, Kaylee Reese being the cat, obviously, because <laughs> you do not. Here's a here's a here's a uh, little tip for anyone, any human traffic sex traffickers out there. Don't pick up <laughs> Kaylee Reese. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. She will beat your ass and then 
fuck you up. Uh, yeah, this movie's fucking awesome. And yeah. I, I want to watch it right now. Can we just stop recording? <laughs> stop, stop recording and watch right now. What is your rating on this, Eric Holmes? Five. Five like stars not, from right, Air- Like, wow. not even close. This is a five-star five star banger. You know what? I was so ashamed. I put on my letterbox four stars, but I'm thinking Catch a Fair One for me is a four and a half. I, I have to stop being ashamed about actually really loving a movie. I love Catch a Fair One. Great mix of social issues. I had no idea about the, the plight of... Indigenous, indigenous indigenous women indigenous indigenous yes. brain yeah, my brain indigent. not indigent Indig- yeah indigenous women i had no idea about it before catch a fair one and their plight and missing and abused and and all that stuff so this shines a light on this without being a this polemic this boring polemic okay about something yeah, this, this is like one of those like bruce mentions this with movies before like it's there and if you're interested in that you can dig into that because it's it's a part of the movie and if you don't, you know, if you just want to watch a, a, a revenge kind of action movie thriller, you can do that too, you know, because it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not in your face. It, it's there if you want it. If you don't want it, it still works regardless. Very good. Eric Holmes, five star banger. Eric Holmes, four and a half stars for me. Bruce Perky, throw down your stars. Um, I would say four and a half too. I just wanted to make one quick little comment wow. to what Eric said about her. Okay. Yeah, four and a half. Yes, when you talked about her, like don't pick her up; she's going to kick your ass and all that. And I, but I want to reiterate, and I hope you guys agree with me on this. One of the strengths of this movie is it shows her, and you're like, she is a badass, and you see her training, and you say, wow, she's going to kick ass. But very quickly, the stakes are raised, and you worry for her the rest of the movie. She is not invincible, and I think that's what. If she just came across as like, she can kick everyone's ass and there's no one can stop her, this movie wouldn't work quite as well. You still feel like she's ferocious. She's yeah. like, she is tough. But she's, you also feel like, fuck, she, she's in a bad position right now. <laughs> like there's a position oh. where she gets in a, a truck and something changes that you don't expect to happen. You're like, oh, shit. See, I, 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 I never got the, I never got the sense that she couldn't handle herself. I, I like, I never once believed that, I, that like she couldn't handle herself if it went i my the stakes for me was uh she kind of has to lay low like she can't that's she true can't, she yeah. can't expose herself as that because if she does you know it's kind of like uh if you have your if you have a gun in your pocket and you're kidnapped well they don't know you have a gun but you have a gun with one bullet so when you pull that out it's got to be at the right time if you pull it out too early right you're fucked. if you pull it out too late yes. you're fucked you have to, but that's, that's another cool this thing this movie did. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, I believe she could have kicked anyone's ass that came yeah. upon her and a couple, couple people she did, but that, that wasn't where the stakes were for me. It was, they don't see her that way. When's it going to be time to bust loose and just, you know, start going nuts. And then they didn't, oh, no, we can't talk about it. Okay. <laughs> we all loved it. We all loved it. <laughs> Speaking of what we could talk about it. Yeah, but they, they went they went different ways with that because it's not yes. straight up. Yes. This is not this is not an action movie. It kind of is right. in places, but that like places. this isn't I would like call her, it like her, a, her a crime like, crime thriller. How's that? Yeah. But like thriller. as much yeah. as her character can kick ass, she's also extremely smart. Yeah. And yeah. and oh god, I want to talk about her nope. so we bad. Can't talk we about will it. be we will be <laughs> listeners, we will be talking yeah. about spoilers for Catch the Fair one. That will be available for our cinematics Patreon subscribers for the cinematics, the show I do with Anderson Cowan. And once once a month I, I do it with Bruce and and Eric Holmes as as well, we do that with first week of cinematics, but they're going to actually join me on this Patreon episode to actually just quickly talk about the end, their thoughts on the end of 
Catch the Fair One. Again, that's five stars from Eric Holmes, four and a half stars from Bruce Perky, and four and a half stars from me. Bruce, do you have fi- final thoughts on Catch the Fair One? Final thoughts? This is the one that people need to look out for. I feel like this could easily just slide under the radar and not get caught. I think people will be missing a really, really cool independent movie. People, you know, look, start listening to us. Lunana, Yak in the Classroom, Beyond the Infinite in Two Minutes, and now Catch the Fair One. Can we, well, let's let's even throw throw in here before as well. Please start start listening to us. Yes, Eric Holmes. Yes. Are you sure you don't want to bump this up to a five? Come on. <laughs> do it. You know who you want to. Yes. I'm still going to. You know, there was a yes, thing sir. posted on. The, well, you know, what, I believe there's a thing posted on the Cinematics Facebook page. What um, did I post? Did I post something? Did I, no, did I did post? just before we started recording. Oh, oh what did you post, Eric Holmes? What did you post? You, you, might, you might want to check it out. You want to I check might, it out. Oh, because, oh, oh, okay. I'll, it's I'll apropos to what we're talking about. And I really want to talk to you. <laughs> that's very good and then there was that time greg srizvasi successfully led me to the dark side there is a, a yeah oh, play it. Yeah, play a, it. okay yes yes go with it yes yeah, basically it, me in a jedi outfit i believe it's it's very oh it, it's emperor palpatine just, just i'm it. palpatine it, it, i'm emperor palpatine good and he can cook kill him kill him now i shouldn't yes very good that is very interesting stuff oh, yeah, here it comes i'm gonna look at the video you gotta play you gotta play I, I, let's see. Peter Beta did such good work. You got to play. I'm going to actually have, actually, I'm going to strip this audio. I'm going to find it from Peter Beta. Peter Beta knows how to drop that beat. <laughs> we'll, I will, I'll put it into the, the show maybe later on or maybe uh, sometime next episode. But thank you, Peter Beta and Eric Holmes, for collaborating on this interesting thing. I look well, like a, I, I really do look like Emperor Palpatine. I am aging. Yes, Eric Holmes. Yes, I, Eric. I don't believe that was me. I'm sure Bruce could shine light on that. <laughs> Bruce and he's just sipping on coffee. Bruce Looking. is just sip, sipping on coffee. That's very, I, very. I had nothing to do with this. <laughs> I am fully innocent. I would, I would, folks, I'm going to check That's my Star Wars not stuff. Not at all innocent sounds like. <laughs> after, the, after the episode, now, now you know my are, lying voice. <laughs> by the way, thank you for that. I, I do look good in the Palpatine hood. Now let us go for our recommendations. Eric and Bruce, they both have a couple of recommendations. Eric, let's start with you. What are your, your two bangers? Uh, well, see, maybe one should banger. I start with the bad one or the not so bad one? Well, we've been so praised. We're praised we're, we've been praising everything left and right. We might as well go with some negativity. Let's start with some right. negativity. Well, the, neither one of them is particularly positive. So we'll just, we'll just ease <laughs> into the bad. Okay. I saw a movie from 2017 written and directed by Jared Mosh. Mosh, M-O-S-H-E, with yes. Bill Pullman, Peter Fonda. And it's called The Ballad of Lefty Brown. It's uh, basically Bill Pullman plays. Do you guys see that uh, uh, SNL sketch with uh, Will Ferrell, his old prospector? Gus Chiggins. <laughs> yep. Bill, Bill Pullman basically plays Gus Chiggins, but in this one, his name's Lefty Brown. This is, uh, it, it, it's a... Uh, a western oh, uh, my brother was watching and it, also it. Stars, it also stars jim caviezel you were watching it when your brother was watching oh, it or something yeah my brother put it in and i was like what's this and he's like lefty brown i'm like ballad of lefty brown and i'm like I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot i mean you know ballad of busker scruggs was good so you know that's that's a plus for ballads i guess um <laughs> I, you know, I like a uh, white lion, you know, they're fine. And then Tommy Flanagan's in it from Sons of Anarchy. And this kind of 
just was a bunch of Western stuff that happened, and a lot of it doesn't quite make sense. And it, it's certainly no old Henry, but it's kind of not good. It, it's it's almost like someone watched a bunch of Westerns, and as they were watching the Westerns, they started writing down certain cliches. And then uh, once they got to about 120 pages of cliches, they're like, cool, looks like a script to me. And then, then that's kind of what they shot. Okay. The Ballad of Lefty I, Brown. Yes. But Bill Pullman's character in this is so freaking ridiculous. He's not old prospector, but he may as well be old prospector. Anytime he talked, I was like, <laughs> a thrilling and action packed Western. The Ballad of Lefty Brown is a story about loyalty, friendship, and the relentless pursuit of justice. 6.3 uh, out of 10. Like that's how that's how kind of not great it is. It doesn't even get a six point nine out of ten on IMDb. <laughs> but Bill Pullman's character is old is Lefty Brown. Is it actually kind of funny? Like that this would be like one of those midnight movies. You wouldn't think of it like by the title, but like you get some buddies together and get drunk and just start kind of picking at the ridiculousness of it. it it's almost kind of good in that regard. But it tries to be like a, a movie like Old Henry. So it's not as fun to kind of rip on. So it's kind of like in that weird spot. Overall, I think uh, two and a half stars, probably about good for this one. Check it out uh, only if you want to watch Bill Pullman be Old Prospector. So I saw this movie back in 2017 when it was released and I ended up liking it. I actually liked it. I liked him as Lefty Brown, which is interesting. I like, you know, with Peter Fonda, one of his last films. Good to see Peter Fonda in a relatively small role in this movie. It's an interesting period. You know, it's an interesting Western. It's a little bit, it's not as good as Old Henry, but it's still worth watching because if you have invested, a little bit invested into Bill Pullman, it's interesting to see his, him play, him star in a Western and he should be actually in more Westerns. I believe he was in a couple Westerns in his body of work. I'm thinking maybe either Tombstone or Wider, one of those things he was in, but he's, he was, he's good in this, but to Eric's point, there is that barrier of entry if... That accent, that lefty brown accent, might catch you the wrong way. Yeah, it's, it's something. It's not even so much the accent. Like, like I could see, like Bill Pullman is lefty. Lefty Brown belongs in a movie like McClintock, like right. a, a, a like a comedy western, or even Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Hey, he needed to show up, and hey, look at I found a gold piece of yellow metal, and we're gonna go take it down to the goldery or you know whatever he he needed his character needed to be in the comedy but this movie was trying to take itself so seriously and it yeah. just it, it just it, it was one of those um mashups that didn't quite work for me and it didn't feel like the filmmakers were it, it didn't seem like they were trying something new it felt like it felt like they were trying to follow i don't even want to say follow a trend because what trend it was, it, was, it was kind of like a retread Press. for you retread so that is the Ballad of Lefty Brown, two and a half stars for Eric Holmes. I'd give, I, you know, I'd actually recommend this movie. For me, it's three and a half stars. Eric, we're not going to get your, to your second recommendation. Let's do like Bruce's turn. What's your first recommendation, Bruce? I will start with one that a lot of people have been catching up on because now I think it's on HBO Max and Hulu and maybe even Disney Plus, And that is Nightmare Alley. I will start with the score. I, this is a good movie. 
I give it three and a half, but everyone is losing their brains over this movie and calling it the best movie last year. And how did they not see this before? And it's the best thing since sliced bread and blah, blah, blah. And it's good to me, to me, to my sensibilities. This is one of those movies that the production design and the look of it is so dazzling and impeccable. And the cast is so great that you're just like your your eyes are like glazed over that it's that it's got to be spectacular but when you actually get into the story of it it's good but it's it's not two and a half hours epic good which is kind of what this movie ends up being uh the first half i would say for me there's two halves of this movie that's the other thing it's a very distinct dividing line in this movie the first half is you know old school circus and the inner workings and and bradley cooper's character kind of discovering the scams and the various ways this kind of old-timey circus and sideshow works. That stuff to me was really fascinating, and you met lots of interesting characters. I thought, this is going to be great. How is this going to all play out? And then basically he just literally drives away from the circus, and then we go into a a city-bound noir, which is okay, but not as good to me. And then the ending is kind of this, I don't know, the ending was kind of a little too, I don't know, pat. The ending's supposed to be so really operatic and dramatic, but when you say pat, that just means Guillermo del Toro didn't execute it properly. And I, I think that's one of the re- reasons why. When it transitions from the carnival to city noir, del Toro is such a fan of the genre. You're right. It's It, it glazes over you. But what's yeah. the, what's in the bones? What's in the what's the meat? The, there's a whole scam situation going on. There's a double crime. All this kind of weird, mysterious stuff that happens in noir. It's executed by a person who loves noir, but decided not to actually live in it. He didn't he decided not to live in the noir. He was living in the carnival. Del, Del Toro was. I felt I could feel the carnival. Yeah. I could I could feel the leader played by Willem Dafoe. I felt like he let you know I, Tony Collette's great in that. But then when we get to the city, it's all pretty much smoke and mirrors and beautiful art deco stuff and yeah yeah you're looking at kate blanchett's uh office and you're like Ooh, look at the snow outside and it looks amazing that's it <laughs> like, yeah and someone someone said oh and it's a nice counterpoint they were saying oh well it's because when he gets to the city bradley cooper's character he's hollow inside and i'm thinking that's a great rebuttal but i don't think there was a lot of thought when it came into that because i didn't feel the emptiness i didn't feel a darn thing when he was in the city except the visuals. We're not going to spend too much time on it, but here's what I would say too. If it's his character's story, then I feel like we have to know really clearly like what his journey is going to be. So it will drag us along with him. And I think to me, that's the problem. Where So the other option is it isn't his story. And he's the everyman that kind of leads us through this other bigger world, which is kind of what happens in the first half, but not the second half. And I think that's the problem for me, is that if if he's like this everyman viewer avatar for this other world, this other story that surrounds him, then it kind of falls apart in the second half. Yeah, totally. Because it becomes his story and we're like, well, who cares? He's this kind of empty dude. Well, the carnival is, what what do they say? It's a prelude to the kiss, right? The carnival is a prelude to the big stuff. And the big stuff to me ends up being empty. You give it three and a half stars, Bruce. It's pretty much a recommend for you with some caveats and it's flawed. And I would give it three and a half stars as well. A lot of people in our Cinematics Facebook group think I really don't like Nightmare Nightmare Alley. No, I, I recommend it. It's just it could have been so much better. If exactly. Nightmare Alley was directed by Eric Holmes, Bruce Perky, or Greg Sorzavosti, this is uh, there's an upscale in the rating. But this is GD, GDT. And he's supposed to be one of our, our biggest hey, auteurs. <laughs> right? No, I'm sorry, Eric Holmes. You're going to be a director as well. So, I mean, let, let me just sit me, me, me and Bruce Perky, not, not you. I'm going to leave you out of the mix. Okay. So you're, you're, you're an auteur, Eric. Don't worry. Um, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> okay. But anyways, so interesting 
recommendation. It is a recommendation from Bruce Perky, three and a half stars. Again, it's streaming on all services. Tell us what you think of this movie. Eric Cones, what is your second and final recommendation? Are we going to go quick on this one? Do whatever you want. All right. Moonfall don't, is complete. Don't, don't ever say, you, you, are we going to go quick on this? <laughs> I, I didn't these, know how we were doing that. I'm having these Nightmare Alley uh, flashbacks yeah, I, of all the women who've said that to me over the years when I've dated them, okay? So stop stop with the right. quick one stuff, okay? Hey, so, Greg, yeah, Greg, so, Greg yeah, you so. like your sound bites? Here's, yeah, my, five se- here's my five second <laughs> review of Moonfall. Moonfall is fucking stupid. Go see it. One star. <laughs> <laughs> directed by Roland Emmerich that is probably Eric Holmes' bang, bangiest banger review of all time that is that is Moonfall and Eric let me just exp- elaborate a little bit when you went to the theater you spent some money mm-hmm. I don't know I don't want to ask you how much money you spent if it was a bargain matinee or full full fare did you maybe you bought popcorn some condom, condiments and uh, you put some had some or coke condoms. or whatever or, or condoms or you, you, you bought, you bought stuff you, you, accoutrements something you spent money. Was it worth the money? When people say, Eric Holmes, should I spend good money to see it in theaters? Moonfall. I, sh- I shouldn't. Have, my biggest mistake was I saw this by myself. But, you know, that's, that's what you got to do. You know, when you're a cinephile, you go to the theater when there's time. And if people can come, great. Most of the time, you go by yourself. Or at least I do. And that I, I should have had people here with me <laughs> I, I remember wait to I, hold your hand through like i gotta get out of here or we'll, just what? just to look the this movie features people out running the moon <laughs> okay so okay. right yeah do you understand yeah. did, did you understand the words that just came out of my yes mouth? yes yes characters had to outrun the moon that's like with their feet <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a movie called Racing the Moon that I believe it stars maybe Sean Penn or something that I've always wanted to actually. Yeah. I got to look that up. I, I've this, always wanted to see. But uh, so first of all, I, I guess I, I wrote a couple notes, and I'm going to go ahead and address those. Uh, let me pull them up. Okay, so the moon. They, this sounds like it's a spoiler, but it's what the movie's about, and it's it's like one of the first things they bring up in the movie the the moon the reason the moon's coming towards earth is because it's a mega structure there's a uh there's a uh white dwarf star inside the moon and it's got a mega structure like a dyson sphere around it it's coming towards earth to destroy it because the aliens are in it and they want to destroy humans so um obviously the military shows up and they're like we got to figure out what we're going to do and then of course the military shows up this is now a military operation for what <laughs> you throw nukes at it <laughs> all right uh oh there was a part where someone explained to uh uh, uh patrick wilson um he's an astronaut apparently needed someone to explain to him what a dyson sphere is i'm sure most of the audience knows but maybe they don't and it makes sense that you would describe what a dyson sphere is i mean obviously it's that thing on the bottom of the vacuum cleaner right the dyson sphere that's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A Dyson sphere is a structure that goes around a star to collect energy from the star. That That's fine that you have to explain that to the audience. Don't have some random dude explain what a Dyson sphere is to an astronaut. I assure you, an astronaut knows what the fuck a Dyson sphere is. Um, there's a part where they go to court. And it was like one of the, I'm watching this quick court case. It, each scene lasts like, you know, five seconds. So this court, you know, this court hearing lasted, uh, it was a bit long. It was about two minutes. And at the end of it, uh, it was one of the most ridiculous court scenes I ever saw. And my first thought was like, uh-huh. they, they, they don't even know how court works. 
And then they leave. Now we get to the crux of it. Now we know why Eric yeah, is so mad about it. Worst court scene you've ever they, seen. They, they leave court, and then someone comes up to one of the characters and says, do you even know how court works? And I'm like, I just said that about the movie. <laughs> and it's not because the character doesn't know how the court works. It's how the how the 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 lawyers acting, how the judge is acting, and like whatever. Like I just saw Jane Silent Bob Reboot. That has a ridiculous court scene, but it's played as a joke. Roland Emmerich, I wonder if does Roland Emmerich is he just like the greatest comedian ever? And we Maybe. just don't realize that these are supposed to be comedies because you cannot be this stupid. <laughs> The, yeah, the, <laughs> I wrote this movie has a creationist understanding of evolution and science in general. I'd have to get the spoilers, which means I'd have to explain more of the movie to you, which means you would stop listening to the podcast. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so, so Eric's not going to do that again. For, this, he said, you said but, one star movie, but you said still see it in theaters because of why? The same reason why you have to see the snowman. A lot of people talk about <laughs> bad movies. All right. They're like, oh, the emoji movie is bad. No, the emoji movie was made for babies and you're not a baby. So you didn't like it. That's fine. But Snowman is a broken movie. When you talk about bad movies, the Snowman has to be in the conversation because that movie is literally broken. Yeah. Didn't have enough money to finish it. Yeah. Can I make a suggestion? Because you don't want to give money to this movie, though. So what you do oh, is you, you do. find it. You do. You, no. Yeah, you no, no. Why, but go I got a different know, answer. I know. Yeah. I got the. I got the answer. So you find a theater that's actually showing Catch the Fair One, and it's going to be hard to find. But just go look for it, and you go <laughs> you <won't> find it. <laughs> and you, <laughs> in this imaginary world that I'm, I'm believing in, you're going to go and pay full price go see Catch the Fair One, and then when it's done, you can sneak in and watch Moonfall. There you go. The weird thing about Moonfall and just Roland Emmerich movies in general, I will give Roland Emmerich this over Michael Bay. You can, uh, he's a good filmmaker in the sense that you can tell what's going on. The action makes like the action makes sense in context of the stupidity in which he's presenting it to you. Whereas Michael Bay just like takes a camera, throws it in a suitcase and shakes it up for, and then quick cuts everything. Um, and it's just a mess. Um, at least Roland Emmerich is a, competent filmmaker in that respect in the respect that you know he can shoot a scene that makes sense within the you know whatever but god the like look you don't have to be you don't have to be a rocket scientist or an astrophysicist to know that when the moon gets like a hundred feet away from the earth everything's gone it's gonna move fucking fast <laughs> Well, first of all, it won't do that because there's a Roche limit. The moon will destroy, which they explain in the movie. Like, okay. It, it, you, <laughs> Don't, it, you're going to hurt yourself, Eric. You're I, I'm totally going to hurt myself. There's a lot of frustration. You, you'll you'll hear so- about, uh, oh, here's the main point. <laughs> he's losing it. <laughs> for, yeah, he's- for, any, for any screenwriters out there, you've written your script and it's full of plot holes and spelling errors and a bunch of mistakes. That doesn't matter. You can still make a $150 million movie out of that god-awful script that you have. Don't rewrite it at all. Just give it to Roland Emmerich or Michael Bay, and they will make it exactly as you wrote it. That's funny. Okay, Moonfall, directed by one of Eric Holmes' favorite filmmakers, Roland Emmerich. Currently on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a rating of 41%. Audience score is a number that I don't know if Eric Holmes like. It's, it's a number 
69% as far as that the sounds about right. Goes. This is the perfect 69%. <laughs> That's for Moonfall. That is his second recommendation or actually uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird recommendation because he gave it one star. So actually in many ways he, he's saying hey, it's a bad movie, but if you want to see a bad movie, go check it out in the theaters. Bruce, what's your second and final recommendation? Uh, mine is a, a very small movie. It's so the exact opposite. <laughs> it's from yeah. 2020. It's called I Blame Society. It's on AMC Plus. It's on Tubi. It's on Shudder. It's directed by uh, it's Jillian Wallace Horvat. She also is the main star of this movie, playing Jillian. Go figure. How do I describe this? Um, I think it lives in the same headspace as Spree, except she's not she's not a, a social influencer, but she has kind of similar psychoses, and it's kind of I also describe it a little bit as Millennium American Psycho, a little bit millennial. So here's how it starts. That's it starts with her. It starts with her setting up a camera. She's obviously filming and she's sitting there next to her friend and she goes, okay, we're filming this. I'm starting my film project finally. Like she's kind of a, been trying to make films forever. She's living in LA. She's doing her thing. She's kind of barely making it. And she's filming this on the go. Right. And she's like, so, and she's talking to her friend. She says like, so, you know, the other day when we were all talking and joking and you guys all said that like of all of our friends, I'd be the one that most likely to commit a murder. And they're like, he's like laughing with her and she's like, yeah. So I've decided my film project is going to be like, I'm going to imagine like, what would it do? Like, how would I do it if I was going to commit a murder? And she says to him, and because the, I had to think first, like, who would be the person I would kill? And he says, your girlfriend is probably the worst person I know in the world. And she goes on and on about how bad this person is and that how he, she says that she would be the person that she would kill. He understandably gets very upset by this and is like, why are you putting me on camera to talk about this? And there's like a whole breakdown between the two of them. You can tell their friendship is kind of ending. Cut to three years later. And she is picking back up this project after three years of not doing this project. And the whole movie is her basically walking through the steps of what it become, how to become a murderer. This is... So what was that other movie that you had us watch, Eric? The one that Kill, Murder... I was just thinking of that as you were describing Capture, Kill, Release. So Capture, Kill, Release is like the twisted couple version, and it's dark. This one is like highly satirical, really very clever, very... uh, This is not going to be everyone's cup of tea, for sure. But it has... A lot of inside jokes, both visually and in the script. Uh, and it goes places. Uh, I was wondering about mm, 30 minutes in. It's not very long. It's probably under 90 minutes. I was thinking about 30 minutes in, like, well, is this going to really go dark? Or is it going to just kind of stay at this level? Because she starts out with all the things like, what does a killer do first? Well, they first, they, you know, stake out a house. Maybe they break in at night and then they like, get out of the house and they kind of slowly test things. And I'm thinking it's going to be like that all the way through, and then she might lead to a murder. No, this this goes places. It keeps going places. So I really appreciated that aspect of it. It has some really meta stuff, which I loved as well. Like there's a part early on, this is kind of a taste of it, but she does it does things like this throughout. There's a pl- part early on where she's talking to her boyfriend. They're sitting in bed, and she's like filming it. She's filming everything, of course. And she says like, well, I should use jump cuts. He goes, that's not how you use jump cuts. And then while they're talking, she's obviously edited this, and she's throwing jump cuts into it to prove her point, even though she's using them wrong. So there's shit like that that I can't talk about later on that's really good. This is very sharp script. It will definitely annoy the fuck out of a lot of people. But if it's your style, if you get about 30 minutes into this and you're digging it, you will probably really dig it by the end. It's been a while since I've seen Capture Kill release, but I think I want to double feature that with this one. Yeah. Very (laughs) different flavor. Capture Kill release is definitely much more like... Ugh, it gets intense and it really gets in your face. This yeah, one's... but but 
I, I, as you're describing this, I'm like, I want to watch Captured Kill release again, but I also want to watch this. <laughs> yeah, I'd be yeah. curious to see. I, I guarantee some people will definitely not like it, but I would say, like we talked about earlier, get about 30 minutes into it. If you're liking what you see at that point, you'll probably yeah. like it even more as it goes. I'm, so. I'm in on this one. Okay, so that's a I Blame Society. How many stars do you give it, Bruce? I give it, for me, it's four stars. Okay, I Blame Society. I like it quite a bit. I give four it four stars? stars too. I haven't seen it yet, but I really like it. I <laughs> did preemptive four stars from Eric Holmes. Finally, we have Pete coming in to drop that beat. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box? All right, this box All is right. courtesy of our buddy Matt Stillman. What you got, Bruce Perky? We have the classic Michelangelo Antonioni film from 1960, La Uh This is currently available on HBO Max and Canopy, and you can rent it everywhere. You can buy Criterion. I think it might be on – didn't say that, but I think it's probably on Criterion Channel too. It's probably Criterion Channel. Like maybe, a, maybe I'm sure it's been a, it's been a Criterion disc before. Um, I don't know if it's out of print or not, but – it's a widely beloved film. Yes. Uh, a classic of Italian cinema. It, I think it's kind of occurring at the same point as like uh, the French New Wave is going on at the same time. You've got kind of all these filmmakers kind of breaking breaking the, the standard kind of Hollywood formula of movies. Basic concept of this movie is you have a young woman, Anna, who has been away from her boyfriend for about a month. And she is meeting back up with him to go on a cruise on a little yacht. Little yacht. I know it sounds weird. It isn't that big of a boat. They call it a yacht. Uh, she meets up with her friend Claudia. His name is Sandro. So Claudia, Claudia, and her meet up with Sandro. They get on the ship with like I don't know four or five other people. They go out in this cruising around the Mediterranean. They stop at this rocky island and kind of all get out to go hang out at this island. And while they're there, uh, Anna and Claudia kind of have a kind of have an argument because, you know, he wants to get married and she's kind of like, eh, she's been kind of feeling wishy-washy about him. And as they're all sunbathing, she kind of wanders away from the crowd, never to be seen again. And that's at about the 30 minute mark. And then then all the locations are just beautiful, black and white, you know, amazing outside photography, all this stuff. Then the rest of the movie happens. Um, (laughs) This, I could almost guarantee would not be a favorite of Eric. Um, this is one of those movies where you have lots and lots and lots of footage of people standing on cliffs, looking out at the sky, walking across the top of the Island to meet up with another person who's looking out at the sky and they'll look at the sky some more. And then they'll eventually get back to land and <laughs> they'll, they'll well, go up to a movie. <laughs> Right, that's a piece yeah. of love and tour. I remember watching this when I was a student at UCLA. We had an Italian film studies class. Checked it out. And the only recollections I have was this movie, as much of, as I love Michelangelo Antonioni's Blow Up, which was made several years later in 1966. And I also remember a year later, La Notte was made. Liking that as well. And I love the Jack Nicholson film, The Passenger from 1975, which stars Maria Schneider as well. And that's directed by Antonioni. Laventura is considered his most popular film along with Blow Up. And I just remembered realizing that when I was a kid, I was thinking Monica Vitti is so beautiful. That's my first thought. True. True. And the landscapes are so beautiful. The atmosphere True. is amazing. 
And I was mm-hmm. absolutely frustrated by the entire film because it went nowhere. Yep. Spoiler alert, movie goes nowhere it, from my recollection. So that was my yeah. frustration. Does that hold with you? Did, did you have share kind of the same sentiment regarding La Ventura? That was pretty much my feeling too. Um, I feel like there's there's a weird line in movies where they're really enigmatic and the character, you know what I mean? Like you have these kind of movies where you have to really believe that there is like an actual motivation under the characters. And I did not understand why any of the characters were doing what they were doing in a lot of this movie. I'm going to make a comparison that's going to really anger <laughs> cinephiles. Yeah. This is the Pong of movies. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, when Pong came out, it was amazing. It blew people's minds. You can move these things around on the screen of your own TV and actually interact with it. Oh, my God. It's amazing. You go back and play Pong now, and it's like, eh, it's, yeah, okay. Okay. Because I yeah, think fair. what was the th- biggest thing about this movie is it was breaking so many like expectations of what movies were supposed to be at the time. And I appreciate it for that, but it didn't, it also broke the expectation of having a story. And that was, that was the problem. The, the thing with La Ventura is it showed a bunch of just these bourgeois people acting yeah. bored for a couple of hours. And yes. ooh, it's so brave to watch a movie with beautiful people acting bored in this beautiful landscapes. And no, yeah. no that, that was yeah. it for me as far as La Ventura goes. Yep. Thank you, Matt Stillman, for that nothing pick. No, we're kidding. Now, I mean, we, I, we love I you. would we still love give you. it. Th- I would give it three stars. Yes. This is this is a recommendation as far a slight recommendation because I mean there's a lot to see here. Yes. I don't think you have to see the whole thing. <laughs> I know it's terrible to say. Just, but just I don't watch think Monica Vitti's parts. Good, just check no, out Monica. Yes. Quick quick question though. Um because yeah. that again, I, I didn't watch this one. And <laughs> it, you didn't really sell me. But um No, I don't want to sell my, you on this one. You'd be mad at me, <laughs> I think. That, Actually, I'm kind of curious now. Just, but I, I, I won't hold that against anyone if I don't like it. But, like, what sets this one apart from something like Bergman Island, let's say, which I think is just as um, enigmatic kinda, and kind of meandering. Yeah. And and, but, and it's weird because, like, like some something like Jerry. That's that's all that movie is is meandering. But mm-hmm. I still kind of like it. And yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I can't put my finger on it. But like Bergman Island just kind of goes on, and that, that doesn't work for me. So I I, and I, I I would agree. I, I, mean, just, I, I, just, I guess the the question is, there's movies that you know the all these movies that I'm mentioning are air quote boring, and some work with me and some do not. And I'm sure this same with you know some uh, some some might watch a movie like this and go it's brilliant, and then watch Jerry and go that's a piece of dog shit or fucking uh, another uh, Gus Van Zandt uh, the elephant uh, the, the, the elephant. No, Elephant's great. Uh, the the Nirvana one, Last Days, whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's just Kurt Cobain, but it's not Kurt Cobain, but it's totally Kurt Cobain. And all right. the movie is is just him wandering around everywhere. It's one of the most boring things ever. But for some reason, I was still hooked on it. And I don't know why. But then uh, other times, I'll watch a movie that does the exact same thing. And I'm like, I fucking fuck this movie. You know, I, I mean, that's, unfortunately, that's like the flavor thing, right? Like, I mean, some flavors just work for certain people. Like, I could see this being some people's real thing. For me, I can only speak for myself. And yeah. I think Eric, I think Greg might be in a similar place I as mean, I am. I mean, the movie introduced me to Monica Vitti, rest, in, rest yeah. in peace. So she's beautiful and she's a present. So it was worth watching for me. I would at least yeah. give this movie three stars. Yeah. 
But I, I, to me, the difference between, like, say this and Bergman Island, Bergman Island had a narrative. Now, it may not have been enough of a narrative for you, but it had actual characters. They had actual paths. Yeah. And there was there were several characters with several paths. There was actually a story within a story with characters that had paths. Whereas this one, I don't, for me, this movie did not. It was like, somebody disappeared. They don't know where she went. And now you have these two characters that are both just kind of like, I mean, like, if you were to ask me to say, like, what was the path of these characters, I would not have a clue. Yeah. Like, I couldn't say anything about what happened to them. So that's why, for me, it doesn't work. Yeah, the, mo- yeah. the one thing that Love and Turi had, g- going back to what Bruce is saying, timing. The way it was, when it was released, yep. it was groundbreaking for when it is. I still feel it's dated. Monica Vitti, again, rest in peace, just a vision to to watch, and she has a presence. I should definitely see more movies with Monica Vitti in it. Antonioni is considered an auteur, so it's worth watching just because of that. But for me, the movie really goes nowhere. It was a disappointment back in the day for what, you watching. What's the, what, what the fuck? What's the goddamn movie with the, the chess? Playing chess with death? Oh. Not yeah, Bill and seal. Ted's, seven, the other one. The, the Seven, seven seal. seal. Seven Seal, Bergman. I, okay. So the first time I yes. tried cocaine, uh, they were playing the Seven Seal. <laughs> right. And you, you ended up loving it, right? I, I, I was kind of into it. But then I watched it later, and I was like, I don't see what the big deal is. I, I, yeah. I wonder if I wonder if maybe it's uh, less like uh, something specific that like uh, maybe it's just one of the like uh, I I wonder what La Ventura would be like for you, Bruce. Like if you saw it on a different day. Oh yeah, maybe or maybe if I saw it like when I saw it when I was in college, yeah. maybe and just getting into movies, it might have blown my mind. But I mean, I have enough water under the bridge yeah. now that. It doesn't do that to me. I don't know. No. This conversation is going nowhere, but I start thinking of stuff like that. It's like, like I saw this movie and I fucking loved it. And I saw this movie and I fucking hated it. And they're like, if you compare so, them, they're basically the same thing. It just, I mean, it depends on all the, all the elements. I mean, for no. example, La Ventura has the mastery, the masterful just uh, compositions of Antonioni. So on a visual sense, La Ventura works, yeah. oh, but yeah. he decides like so, kids, if you're doing cocaine, watch Seven Seal. <laughs> yeah, that's. I don't know if that that's the Wayne message. I don't know if we're going to be sponsored by Cocaina for this podcast. But Dude, anyway, I, I'm, I'm I'm giving all the audio clips, all the all the all, all, all the all the all the points, all the drug points. <laughs> all right, so that is it for this episode, Eric. Any other thoughts before we go? To all the screenwriters out there, uh, you've been working on that script and it's just not coming together, but fear not because Roland Emmerich will shoot that movie and you will get millions of dollars for it. And yet again, and in fact, if your script makes sense, go and during the rewrite, make sure it's extra stupid. Maybe you're writing a great script, just make it worse and then they'll make the movie. That's an endorsement of the Roland Emmerich Production Company. Cheers to Eric Holmes. And before we go, Bruce has, before he has final thoughts, he has what's in the box? What's in the bleeps in the box? What you guys? Oh, Bruce, why don't you go reach on into that box and pull out, pull out the moving picture for us to watch? Well, there you go. I've got a suggestion by Joseph Bridges from 1950. Yes. A Woman on the Run. A Woman mm. on the Run, Joseph Bridges, 1950, might be something I might want to watch Directed as well. by Norman Foster. I'm guessing this is a noir of some sort, noir? possibly. Yeah. I don't think we have done a Joseph Bridges recommendation in a while. Again, if you have any movie recommendations from Bruce Perky, email him at bruceperky at gmail.com or just mention it on our Cinematics Facebook group. 
Again, we are going to, for our Cinemax Patreon, we're just going to talk about the ending a little bit of Catch the Fair One. If you want to check it out, join our Patreon family. Bruce Perky, final thoughts before we go. Yes, I'm going to give you actually value-added stuff right on the way out the door. Because it's Super Bowl week, guess what? We are getting tons of brand new movie trailers. So you should be out there checking them out. We've got a brand new one from Alex Garland, a movie called Men, starring Jesse Buckley. We've got a brand new one from Peter Strickland. Remember Peter Strickland in Fabric? Yes. He's got a new really weird looking movie called Flux Gourmet. And the last thing I'm going to tell you is, so next week we're doing a box movie. The week after is my pick for the Dean Koontz wallet watch. watch. (laughs) And uh, because Doug Trumbull died this week, if you know Douglas Trumbull, he is a special effects master. Uh, 2001 Space Odyssey, Blade Runner, all kinds of stuff. Uh, we're going to do, two weeks out, for the Dean Koontz Wallet Watch, we're going to do Douglas Trumbull's, one of his directorial efforts, Silent Running. Silent Running. Bruce Perky has it on, I believe, Blu-ray or DVD. So that's pretty it's cool. Arrow Blu-ray. So it will be a double, because I can talk about the Blu-ray features, which is going to be something we might be doing going forward. Yeah, going forward, listeners, we're going to be covering a lot more DVDs and Blu-rays for our show on Find Your Film. Thank you, Bruce. Silent Running in a couple of weeks. Really excited to watch that movie, period. Eric, has, have you ever seen Silent Running? Douglas Turnbull's... Uh, uh, Trumbull. Tr- I don't Trumbull, know. Tr- Turnbull. Tur- Douglas... Maybe, Douglas maybe Trumbull. not. I, I, I will watch it by next week for sure. That might be one I haven't seen, or I might get like halfway through and go, oh, okay, yeah, this is that one. I'm not this sure is, which one it is. <laughs> this is definitely hippie. Hippie eco sci-fi, so you might hate it, but uh, it's going to be different. And I, it has I, Bruce Dern starring in it, so that can't be wrong. I would yeah. mention that uh, Joseph from Middle Class Film Class might want to uh, not turn the TV on during Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's the one doing the Quest for Zero trailers. <laughs> quest for Zero trailers. Quest for Zero trailers. That's Joseph Navarro from Middle Class Film Class. Until then, guys, we will see you next week here on Find your film.